0: This is Pitch Tech Asia. My name is Graham Brown. We are in the Asia Tech podcast studio with Vishal Doshi. Vishal, welcome.
1: Thank you. How are you doing?
0: I'm very good, thank you. And we're going to talk about bioscience today at home. Let's talk about bioscience. I know we talked about this off-air, but what is bioscience? Because there's so many different nomenclatures, right? So please put
1: us in our place. So in this vast world of pharmaceutical industry, uh, people tend to decide whether they want to call it a a company which has therapeutics, which mm. has biosciences, which is pharmaceuticals. All in all, uh, it's nomenclatures. Mm. Um, but the way I look at it is what's what's in the meat of the, right. of the business. Yeah, uh, and uh, uh, I decided to call it biosciences. Biosciences. Uh, so what would
0: the man in the street understand by bio, in terms of how it would touch their lives? What sort of things would it be?
1: So it would be something related to developing drugs. Uh-huh. Uh, it would be something related to research. It would be something related to bringing drugs to market uh, across the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we have decided to keep it to oncology to start with. Right, oncology, obviously, treatment of cancer. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Yes.
0: You're not a, a medical doctor, mm-hmm. but you have spent many years in the medical community. What was your background there? I know you're from Mumbai originally. What what did you do for education and where did you go?
1: So I I am a registered pharmacist Mm. by training. uh, And uh, after I completed my pharmacy, I decided to move to the UK uh, to pursue my higher education and do my master's. And uh, interestingly, my professor, uh, he asked me if I wanted to do some research in oncology and I decided to do that. Uh, mm. So I did my research in oncology, specifically in breast cancer, uh, and those were the times when uh, I was uh, in the lab and developing uh, cancer drugs, mm. uh, specifically on aromatase inhibitors. I still remember that. On yes. what, that? Sorry, you it's, 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 it's uh, caught me out with a term there. <laughs> it's it's aromatase inhibitors, right. where you, it's it's a class of drugs mm. uh, in, in cancer. Uh, where I was in the laboratory synthesizing a uh, number of drugs right. uh, of it. Some were successful, some failed, uh, and uh, gave, it, gave it to my professor uh, and let him carry on the research. And uh, then I decided that I wanted to really understand how the drug development works, mm. Uh, And the best way to do that, according to me, um, was to understand the business side of things. Mm. Because when you're on the business side of things, you come across and you interact with various levels of people in the healthcare community. Mm. Uh, And uh, that's when I started uh, my journey on uh, the healthcare, uh, commercial side of the healthcare. so, yeah, that's, that's from my, um, me, from my uh, research background coming into the commercial side where I decided to swap my lab coats with my suit. Right. Uh, so before since, that, yeah. you
0: were the guy with the lab coat and the 10-line the pipette type thing into the, the test guy. I was tubes, that guy. What you yeah. see on the, the TV. Yeah. I, right? I, I was I wasn't But you guy. said you wanted to go into the business side of yes. things. Well, why did you want to go into the business side of things? And what did you learn that those guys who are still in the lab doing the, the drops don't learn?
1: So, uh, you know, one of the things that I always felt is, uh, and that's why this own biosciences thing has come up, Uh, one of the things that I always learned uh, during my research is there's some really good brains in the laboratory. Uh, And those were the times where not a lot of companies were spinning off from uh, universities and uh, coming out in the open, becoming more commercial in nature, where uh, research scientists uh they, they wanted to go out, become commercial, but they were not apt uh, with that. Uh, and as a result of which, I did not want to make that same mistake. Uh, I really wanted to understand the commercial side of things. And uh, if I were to sit down across a table uh, with someone uh, who were to ask me, tell me more about the science, tell me more about the business, I really wanted to be educated uh, in that sense. Yeah. And there is no better school than life. Uh, so that's what I decided to do. I decided to get into the commercial side of the mm-hmm. business and uh, learn life.
0: Yeah. Uh, so a better way to learn it as well. I mean, let's talk a little bit about your journey. Yeah. And I'd like to do that with the pitch deck as well. Mm-hmm. So we could use that as talking points Absolutely. to talk about where you've come from and where you're going yeah. to as well. We're talking about what OM Biosciences right. is. Before we open up the pitch deck, explain mm-hmm. to me why OM, where does that come from? A-U-M.
1: So, uh, apart from the fact that I am Indian by origin, yeah. uh, I, I have a spiritual side of me. Uh, but if I were to uh, just summarize in a couple of lines why OM, there is so much research going around in the world. Uh, it's the same an- analogy that I put in there. So, so many things going around in the world, and, and sometimes as human beings, uh, you tend to not focus uh, on the right things uh, and and the word om for me is symbolizes focus hmm. uh, and as a result of which uh, I have tried to I've, I've tried to relate my life lessons into biosciences where mm. there is so much research out in the open there's so much research in the laboratories in universities in pharma companies and and the what we wanted to do within Om Biosciences is we wanted to be that focus where we are not trying to do everything, but we are trying to do things which we are very good at, and we really want to be good at and, and focus on certain things which we will talk about uh, mm. in the latter. So that's the reason. Yeah. That's the reason behind it's the, the why. Name. Well, well, in, in, ohm. in
0: Sanskrit, Om, what does it mean? Does it mean focus?
1: I'd no. So it's uh, Om as in general. Mm-hmm. It, it's a frequency. Uh, mm. It's it's a sound, universal sound, uh, which is present everywhere uh, in the world, in the universe. But uh, you you only tend to hear uh, the specific when you are at the spiritual high being, right? Uh, so you're right at the third eye. Uh, Got it. That's what they call it. Mm. Uh, and uh, I wanted to relate that uh, with, uh, uh, with with the uh, biosciences yeah, and, and yeah. the healthcare industry. So that's that's why it's home.
0: Yeah. Interesting and. It's often a challenge, isn't it? And it's it's a challenge leveled and a criticism sometimes leveled at the medical community in the sense that it's about human beings, but it becomes very detached from human beings. And like you've mentioned that you can get into the world of research as a bubble, but you've sort of pushed yourself out of your comfort zone to actually talk to people and understand the commercials of it. So understand how you're impacting lives and what the the real pain points and challenges are. Right. Let's jump into the pitch deck. If we can have a look. At the OWN Biosciences Pitch Deck. I'm going to jump right to where the key data is that I'm looking for before we get going. The money. Mm -hmm. Let's have a look at the size of the market. You've mentioned here Asian Oncology Therapeutics Market 2018. $60 $60 billion. Yeah. So what is that? That is the market for all of Asia for oncology, therapeutics. Therapeutics meaning treatment, Treatment, not yeah. the research side of things or the, the, no. the actual application of yeah. the,
1: the pharmaceuticals. It's actually, the cost uh, of treatment, the entire market, which which is 60 billion dollars right now right. in Asia uh, yeah. and it's expected to grow to 100 billion dollars and some numbers actually suggest four it's four years yeah some numbers actually suggest it's growing to 150 billion dollars what's driving uh, it it is just the sheer size of uh uh population is one of them yeah uh the the type of diseases now if you notice uh a lot of uh uh western world is moving to asia a uh, lot of Asian people migrating between geographies. Uh, and it's not just the human beings mig- uh, that are getting migrated. The diseases are getting migrated with mm. it as well. Uh, and as a result of which, the lifestyle that they lived in the U.S. with or in, in Europe with, yes. that's causing uh, the diseases to come in the East as well. Right. Uh, and uh, that's precisely one of the reasons uh, what what's driving this. Um but if you look at the numbers in general, uh, 60% of the world cancer cases, they come from Asia. Yeah. Uh, and by 2030, it's expected 14 million cancer patients uh, to be coming in from Asia alone. Mm-hmm. Um, just while we are on some numbers, in China alone, there are 4 million cancer uh, patients uh, that are getting treated every year. Right. Uh, and in India, 2.5 million cancer deaths by mm. 2025. Yeah just think about the size. Just, yeah. I'm, I'm not even talking commercial, but putting a human touch to it. Uh, I've had family members mm. uh, who have unfortunately uh, passed away with cancer, but it's more about just the sheer size of the number of people uh, who have uh, this disease, mm. uh, is painful. Yeah, it uh, touches everybody. It, and it, it absolutely touches It touches, touches families, everybody. like you yeah. say, you yeah. know. It definitely. Okay. Definitely.
0: okay. So, all right, so we understand it's a growing market and there's a lot of input factors here. Obviously, Asia, there's a lot of change as well, which is bringing about changes in lifestyle yeah. and healthcare and so yeah. on. Aging markets, aging populations, yes. especially here in Asia. I mean Right. We haven't talked about Japan yet, but all that sort of Northeast Asia and here in Singapore as well, aging populations, it's a real challenge. China's facing it as well. Okay, what is the problem? If we can jump back to the pitch deck, we have an industry built around solving this problem. Mm -hmm. So let's sort of jump back if we can to um, the problem for the whole oncology market here in Asia and therapeutics. Help me understand that this is a multi-billion-dollar industry. Right. Why aren't they solving it, and what is the problem in this market? So, uh,
1: you know, the way I put it is, uh, it might not be right to say that we are not solving it. Uh, it it's just that the the size of the problem is way too big. Yeah. Uh, and there has to be a there has to be an integrated approach towards solving it. So, if just because if. One company is working on it doesn't mean that company could actually solve the problem. It's, it's, a, it's a community as a healthcare field that needs to come together to try and solve this problem. Uh, but what Ohm Biosciences specifically is trying to target on is uh, looking at Asia as the commercial innovation uh, journey, uh, taking in drugs from Asia to global. Uh, the challenges that you have is across three places. One is research institutions. Uh, what, what we discussed earlier during my research years, we used to have research uh, mm. done in the laboratories. Uh, and just because research researchers, they don't understand uh, or they have a lack of understanding how they can bring their research out in the commercial side, uh, oftentimes there are two solutions to that. Either they keep the research in-house mm. in, the, in the laboratory and they don't ever see the light of the day. Uh, second is lucky if they are lucky enough uh, the government helps them to spin off the company uh, in, in Singapore right. there's a great yep. ecosystem to actually spin off the company uh, coming out of the research as well uh, so those are the two solutions that they could have um, but still a lot of research is sitting in the laboratory mm. uh, coming out of uh, the, the amazing scientists who are working on cancer care and, and, and the different mechanism of actions and targets of, of drugs that they are looking at That's one of the problem. Uh, The the second problem is um, big pharma companies, uh, what they tend to do is they have so much research going on in-house, but they can only take a pie of that, which they can develop uh, internally. Mm. If they have 30 drugs, they cannot put 30 drugs in the pipeline. And as a result of which, they pick and choose uh, 10 drugs and they pick and choose a part of that pie but the rest of the pie still remains sitting on the shelf somewhere. So what we I I termed and and this is a normal uh, industry term which is called deprioritized assets, uh, and those get deprioritized not for reasons of uh, scientific nature, but they get deprioritized because of geographical strategies. They get reasons uh, deprioritized because of financial reasons, strategic mm-hmm. reasons, regulatory reasons sometimes. And this is where uh, the second problem comes into picture uh, and uh, if you put this in perspective just think about it uh, if, if some pharma company had some fantastic drug mm. sitting in there a cure uh, for cancer yeah, cure a, a potential cure for yeah. cancer uh, and if they decide because their internal team members decide they want to take a different bunch of products versus a different bunch of products that could potentially be a, a, a cure uh, or, or a treatment for mm. cancer uh, and that would be sitting on the shelf uh, and uh, that would never see uh to the market that would be painful mm. right uh, and that's that 's the kind of uh deprioritized assets uh, that you we would tap into mm. working with pharma companies uh, uh, are they
0: it. under any moral obligation to market that or is it just a commercial
1: activity uh commercial is not the only thing that they mm. look at sometimes it 's bandwidth uh a a big ph- you even though you call it as a big pharma company mm. uh they are only this big or this big but there's still limitations to it right uh and what i mentioned to you earlier this this problem of cancer doesn't have to be rested on one sh- one yeah. shoulder it has to be a joint effort coming in all together and solving it together um and uh, the the moral moral obligation per se it's 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 sometimes the bandwidth that I- right. Im- impedes them from taking the drug uh, to market. Right, that's, uh, that's the tests yeah. and the you know the, the trials and Absolutely. the regulation. Absolutely, yeah. And then sometimes you sit across in a boardroom and they decide that this is our strategic direction for the mm. company right now and we would take these drugs into the pipeline because we feel uh, that this is the right thing. And then you can't really say what they feel is wrong versus what yeah. And this is where a company like Omicsenseus comes into picture. Is we work with these pharma companies. We ask them, Do you have any deprioritized assets that you feel are scientifically superior, but unfortunately because of your bandwidth, you were not able to develop them? Right. And we would take them on. Right. Uh, so a
0: deprioritized asset, to be clear, is some drug or solution or some product which they don't have the bandwidth to deal with right here, right now, for whatever reason, and it sits in their back catalog, right? So as a percentage of their whole with a big pharma company and their different sizes, as you say, how much do they have of this stuff?
1: It's very difficult to put a number to it. Uh, But uh, uh, just just to give you some perspective, uh, more than 10,000 drugs are screened to take it to all the way to potentially one successful drug in the pipeline. So you can think how much research uh, is getting screened so that by the time it, it actually comes to a point where uh, you have decided that yes, this is a drug which can potentially go into clinic. Right. Just that decision itself, uh, it takes a long time. It takes significant amount of investments and it takes a lot of patience. Uh, let me put it that way. Yeah, uh, wait,
0: wait. Let me get these numbers right. Did I hear you right? Ten thousand to one. Yeah, right. That's phenomenal. That's I didn't. I knew. I knew it was an inefficient process. Yeah, but not
1: that inefficient. So it's it's uh, so it's not about that. It's not. This is not driving the inefficiency. What mm. this is is uh, when you have a in in uh, in a bit of scientific terms, it's uh, when you have a research. You have a library of compounds. It's literally mm. like going into a library. And in, in this instance, the library is sitting on a computer. Uh, it has a library of compounds. You pass it through a high-throughput screening to see whether this drug actually has that mechanism of action mm. and a target that's impacting the target that you are trying to get into. Uh, and uh, by the time you go from 10,000s and 10,000s of drugs, you come down to hundreds of drugs. Right. And then, then you actually come down to... Tens of drugs, uh, and the next step would be bringing it down to possibly five or one drug coming out of it, right. uh, which which you would put it and say, okay, this is a good drug. It, yeah, it doesn't mean that it's gone into clinic. It just means that yes, this is a good drug. It's possible. Possible. Yeah. Okay. Then we test it on uh, other other things and see whether this is really going to go there. It. So it's a very cumbersome process, yeah, and yeah. that's one of the reasons why you see a lot of deprioritized assets uh, in. It, and that's my point about the bandwidth.
0: Yeah, uh, well, so. let's have a look at the solution. If we can jump back into the pitch deck and look at what Own Biosciences does. If we can um, maybe sort of scroll through a little bit of this in on the pitch deck and have a look at what the solution is. So you go to the, the uh, big pharma companies mm-hmm. who have these deprioritized assets. What's your pitch to them and what's in it for them? Why would they want to then work with you and, you know, maybe you know, this there's deprioritized for a reason or you know, it might be a strategic reason or whatever. So tell us a little bit about what you do
1: for them. Yeah, no, absolutely. That's a that's a brilliant question. And uh the, the way we would uh, reach out to research institutions or pharma companies mm-hmm. and biotech companies in the West as well, uh, is uh, we are an Asian company. Uh and then the way we would really go about that is we we ask them, uh, is this a drug which is deprioritized? And if it is a deprioritized asset, uh, we would uh, look at the scientific mechanism of action on that, and whether that is in line with the trends. Our our chief medical officer, Dr. Harish Dawe, uh, he's a very picky guy uh, who would look at these drugs uh, at, at a very with, with a very very big magnifying glass mm-hmm. on him. Uh, and uh, what we would tell these big pharma companies and research institution uh, research institutions is, let us let us be your commercial innovation partner uh, that can help you bring this drug to market. Uh, you might think that there is uh, this might not fit within your strategy, but this actually is a great mm. product for our strategy. Uh, and uh, we would like to be your partner and have a collaborative approach where, we enter into a win-win arrangement. Uh, We enter into a risk-sharing arrangement uh, with these big pharma companies and research institutions and biotech companies and offer them a chance to take this drug from Asia to global. Uh, and, And one of the big problems that you would see, and this is a common trend in the industry still, a lot of the research that is happening a drug development, I'm not talking about research in the laboratory, Mm. I'm talking about drug development because it's regulated environment and if you were to market your drug, uh, if you were to have paracetamol in Asia, you needed to do trials in Asia. Similar is the analogy for cancer care. You take cancer treatment it needs to be uh, uphold, it, it needs to uphold the regulatory requirements in Asia as well. So that that's a problem sometimes, and mm. and what is happening right now? There is a lot of drug development that is still focused on the Western world, and as a result of which, it's not coming to Asia. Uh, in in 2017, there were 55 cancer drugs which were approved globally, less than 20 percent of them are available in Asia. Mm. So if someone has cancer in Asia, and if that drug is not drug is not available in Asia. The solution for them is to actually go to U.S. and take that mm-hmm. drug, right, uh, versus taking the drug in Asia. So what we would tell these partners is, let us be your partner. Uh, if you have deprioritized these assets, give us the asset. We have the right science. We have the right minds behind it. Someone who has been in the drug development industry for a long, long time. Uh, we were some, some, some time or the other, we were sitting across the table with each other, mm. uh, we would be more than happy to take that asset on. And if this drug becomes successful uh, post phase one and phase two, which are the different phases of drug development, uh, if this drug becomes successful, we would give you milestone payments right. uh, based on that. Yeah. Um, and uh, what what that means to a big pharma company would mean that this drug that was sitting on the shelf, uh, possibly not seeing the uh, light of the day, uh, it has new life now, mm. uh, and it could very well be a a, a treatment uh, for cancer for for so many patients. Yeah. Um, so that's how we would approach them. We okay. would We be so a collaborative the approach. Yeah.
0: A big farmer, they can monetize their their deprioritized assets. Yes. And they can free up the bandwidth of this group of products which they don't have maybe the minds or the you know the resources to deal with absolutely it might not be strategically like in their focus right now is there a particular type of drug in oncology that this works well for is a particular type of drug i'm just trying to get examples i mean obviously i don't know oncology drugs apart from the generics so can you maybe help us out understand where would this work where has this worked a case study, for example, or, you know, is there a certain group of drugs which pharma tends to overlook for a number of reasons mm-hmm. which work well with you?
1: So uh, our focus, our our sole focus is in small molecules. Mm. Uh, and uh, we have kept small molecules as a focus for one simple reason uh, is to target the affordability of the drugs. Small uh, molecules. Explain sma- to me. So there style. are different there are different types of drugs. There's small molecules. There's large molecules. There's antibodies. There's biologics. There's biosimilars. Uh, different types of drugs uh, that that are uh, available out mm. in the market, and we have intentionally uh, tar- uh, tried to target small molecules to uh, focus on the affordability uh, of the drug because the the, the synthesis process of a small molecule is relatively uh, low cost versus a biologics or an antibody or, or, a, or a immunotherapy mm-hmm. uh, drug which is coming out in the market. And uh, because we are in Asia, we want to focus on cost uh, because we want to be a company that is taking Asia as a platform going to global if we were to develop a drug, if we were to find a drug uh, and if we were to conduct research on a drug which is relatively cost efficient, uh, which is which is in small molecules with low cost of goods, and bring that to west uh, and, and bring that to uh, European uh, continent as well, mm. that's actually a big differentiator. Uh, so we want we, we what I call it as its east to west philosophy uh, rather than west to east philosophy. Uh, and then to answer your question on any specific type of uh, drugs or any specific type of uh, markets that they would look at, um, there is no there is no single answer to that uh, because again it depends on a pharma company uh, mm. to pharma company. Uh, okay. Every company has different strategic directions, uh, and uh, uh, it it would be very difficult to have a singular answer uh, yeah. to that. So yeah.
0: understood. So going back to the small molecules. So I understand these are obviously, uh, you know, cheaper to synthesize mm-hmm. for whatever reasons. Obviously, now we're getting into the technology mm-hmm. and the, the the science and they would be more affordable drugs, but maybe they would be for a large pharma company. Um, not necessarily in their sort of crosshairs at the moment because maybe, you know, because of the pressures, because of the margins they operate and the the overheads, they're looking for that 100x, that 1,000x. In, in the same way, if you look at the investment community, yeah. the VCs maybe have a whole bunch of investments they won't touch because it's not the next Facebook right. or it's not the next Uber. They're right. looking for the big yes. you know, global hits. But that necessarily excludes a whole strata of very, very exciting and interesting startups, but they might not be, you know, a hundred billion. Yeah. They might be just a billion. They're not a unicorn per right. se, right? Is it a similar model with Farmer and you sort of operating at that level of interesting?
1: Uh, uh, so somewhat similar, uh, somewhat similar. And I think that's a great analogy. I'm I'm, I'm going to steal that from you if, you, if you, <laughs> you allow me. I hope you don't copyright <laughs> that. <laughs> right. Uh, we'll work something <laughs> out. Of, uh... Uh, so uh, that's, that's, that's actually uh, a right way of putting it. Um, and uh, uh, but if I were to just add one point on that, what what is happening is uh, these these highly expensive drugs and highly expensive treatments uh, they they can still be uh, affordable to mm. one percent or on the creme de la creme, or even for that matter, it has an impact on the insurance uh, scheme of the of the country as well. Um, but if you think about a general affordability, if you think about the uh, the the mass uh, of of the, uh, the the treatment which is going to be available in Asia or globally for that matter, uh, it still has a massive impact. On yeah. there is five billion, close to five billion people in Asia, and if. Uh, if uh, 100 million people are going to be able to afford the drug, and if you put that to cancer, is out of the 14 million we spoke about by 2030, mm. 60% of the patients are going to be from less developed regions. Uh, and if less developed yeah. regions are they really going to be able to afford a $100,000 treatment? Uh, sometimes, me coming from India, I've, I've, right, I've right. seen, and other yeah. less developed regions like Vietnam and Thailand, that could possibly be their life savings. Right.
0: If I was in rural India yeah. and I had cancer, what do I do? What uh, what are the options? Are th- are there realistic options for them like chemotherapy, you know, at cost or I mean what what happens in those situations?
1: So, you know, the the government in these less developed regions, uh, not specifically India, but the governments are actually supporting uh, yeah. as part of the healthcare coverage uh, which are, which is coming up and playing a big part of it. Uh specifically in India, uh I I am aware that uh, there are some uh, schemes where they get access to the drugs mm-hmm. uh, I- under the government's uh, healthcare scheme that they mm-hmm. have. Um, but, this, this but that adds really a big burden. Yes, right? that's a what I'm big thinking. burden on on the government yeah. uh, as well. So,
0: well, that's the thing about cancer. I mean, oncology in general, isn't it? Historically, a lot of people died of other things, yeah. and they didn't realize it was cancer because right. they couldn't diagnose it, yeah. or you know, maybe they got pneumonia as a result of an infection. Right. Yeah. And it may have been caused by cancer, right? All those kind of like complications. Yeah. In, like, in the olden days, people Correct. died, just dropped dead. Yeah. They didn't realize there was something inside them, Absolutely. right? And when you look at, we talk about rural India as an example, that burden on the state as an example, as people become more and more aware hmm. and, you know, that economy develops, you have more and more people who are suddenly, you know, now... Uh, potential patients for oncology, yeah. right? whereas before they would have just dropped dead in the field, yeah. right? Yeah. Nobody would have known. Yeah. You think about that burden on India as the government and how they're going to deal with that because yeah. that's going to be very expensive as a solution. It's so they need cheap and affordable
1: solutions. Absolutely. And, and uh, uh, not not just in India. I actually would uh, say that in countries like China, uh, yeah. for that matter, uh, in countries like uh, Thailand, Vietnam, Southeast Asia in general, uh who wouldn't like to get good stuff at a good value, mm. right? Uh, but this is where we are we are taking the risk of uh, ensuring that you get good quality drugs, mm. highly ethical uh, processes in place uh, according to global standards uh, that we would be looking at. Uh, and uh, at the end of the day, our focus is very singular. We really want to work towards a value-driven uh, company uh, as as the uh, as the company, what I wh- what I want to focus on is creating value for three people. Mm. One is the patients, one is the uh, uh, the physicians, uh, and then the third is our partners. Uh, I call it as a three P approach. Um, and uh, if if I were to if I were to create value for patients, if I were to create value for physicians who feel happy prescribing the future uh, of the uh, of oncology treatments to mm-hmm. other people and if i were to uh, work with my partners where our business model uh, which i'll come to in a bit is uh, that we are trying to uh, develop drugs which ultimately would mean that's return good return on investment for the partners that we work with and the investors that we work with as well so that's that's where we are that's what we are trying to get into mm. Uh, mm. as well. So,
0: yeah. I've got to ask you, Vishal, is that, I mean, you, you've alluded to it now, this sort of leads into the, the model and the team yeah. as well, is that you have a pharmaceutical background. You trained as a pharmacist, right? And mm-hmm. that's not a short educational stint, is it? Mm-hmm. I mean, how many years do you have to train as a pharmacist?
1: That was four years. Four
0: years on yeah. top of your degree and, and so on, right? So It was, yeah, yeah. Okay, and it's not a cheap process either. So you could have been a safe pharmacist, right? Yeah. You could have done that all your life and yeah. you'd be doing that now, right? Yeah. And, you know, filling up the pill jars and right. delivering the prescriptions, yeah. right? Um, so I'm curious with what you're doing with Ohm, is that, you know, uh, where do you feel, at what point do you feel that you're really adding value? Is that, mm-hmm. you know, for me, for example, with doing the podcast is when somebody walks up to me and says, hey, I listen to that that interview with Vishal and it really touched me because I'm a pharmacist and right. you know, I've thought about this for years and yeah. I want to now do something like this. And yeah. I've reached out to Vishal, and that's where I feel personally I've made a difference. Because mm. I've touched somebody's lives and I know that if I wasn't there, that wouldn't have happened. Yeah. Right. With yourself, how do you measure that? You know, beyond the the obvious KPI of a business, which is making money. Yeah. Right. For you personally, what would that be?
1: So um uh, being an Asian, uh, I I think what it really drives me is uh, I would love I would love to see uh, more and more drugs coming from Asia going global uh, rather than a- uh, Western drugs uh, coming to Asia. Uh, it's it's just a it's just a personal mm. motivation that drives me, uh, and coming in from big CROs and and our uh, CMO. Who has been in the research and, and the healthcare side? Both of us have a singular goal, uh, which is developing more drugs in Asia and bringing them global. Yeah, uh, and, and that's what drives me. And that comp- that's the only thing uh, I would say that keeps me awake at night. Uh, apart from the uh, apart from the business side, apart from the quality, uh, apart from the ethics, uh, what really really makes me uh, tick. Is the fact that I am in, I have started something, which which has the potential to bring Asia, uh, use Asia as the platform Mm. to take drugs global, Uh, and there are a lot of companies who do that. Uh, But when it's your own baby, it's always beautiful, right? Um, And and uh, what I mentioned earlier, it has to be a community. Uh, it, it has to be a joint effort. It cannot be a single. I cannot stand there and say I'm going to be the one who is going to create a cure for cancer. If I say that, that's probably something you should never even consider yeah. uh, looking at as well. But it's it has to be a community, mm. and I want to be. I'm. I've been part of that community, and I'm really glad that I'm. I'm sitting uh, over here. With own biosciences, with uh, with a strong strong team and these s- superb scientific advisors on there. Mm. Uh, so that that drives me. Yeah, drives me. It's it's very exciting. Exciting. Yeah, time. you're still yeah. smiling. Oh, that's well, great. I'm still smiling. So that's a great thing, right? it, is, it, it is. It is. It's and we'll sorry.
0: have a look at your team in a minute. Yeah. And I I want to ask you something. And this is something I always thought about when you talk about oncology. Yeah, you've mentioned as well. You know that family members have been affected by mm. this, and I think everybody, people listening and watching, it, it's it's a personal thing. Is that, you know, years ago, we always talked about a cure for cancer. Yeah. There hasn't been yeah. a cure for cancer, quote unquote, but there's been lots of advances. Will there ever be a cure for cancer or, you know, put it help us understand as, yeah. as lay people yeah. is that will it always be like this, just improving, you know, like the prognosis of, of a patient such that they, you know, they go from, you know, they're extending their lifespan or yeah. quality of life or so mm-hmm. on. Or will somebody one day come up and say, right, we've actually cured it. Right. I'm just curious about so just put our expectations right.
1: Uh if I have you know this is the conversation I have with my with my CMO probably every every week. Right, in uh, good place then. Yeah, uh, this is a conversation I have with him every week and, and uh, one of the things that he keeps on telling me and I'm going to pass it to you on that uh is uh, uh cancer as as a as a disease. It's 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 becoming more of a lifestyle disease and it will move from a uh, it will move from a chronic disease towards a stable disease because if you look at the treatments which are available uh, out in the market as well it's actually uh, improving uh, the, the way uh, improving the life cycle of the patient as well it's improving the way they uh, they live longer Uh, As well. So the way the way I look at it is, cancer. You should think of it moving from a chronic disease Mm. towards a stable disease, uh, rather than the other way around. So rather than binary. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. Is it is it a cure or not a cure? Yeah. Right. Uh, It's it's uh, uh, that's that's probably uh, one of the ways uh, to look at it is moving from a chronic disease to a stable disease where. Few years back, cancer meant it's it's a death sentence. Yeah, right? yeah. And now, if you have cancer, you have had people who have survived it mm. and gotten out of it, uh, and then some who unfortunately haven't. Mm. Uh, but, but yeah, no, I, I think that's the right. Yeah. That's the right way of like looking at it. I'd to be part it. of that
0: conversation with yeah. your CMO. Let's let's get the team up and have a look at the uh, Ohm biosciences team. If we can have a look at the pitch deck, we will just flash back to slide four. Um, Obviously, with a a medical team, you need a lot of people on board. It's not easy Absolutely. to do this as a two-man band, yeah. is it? So yourself, Vishal Harish. That's right. Your co-founder. Yeah. And um, we have your CFOs and your chief business officer here, and then your team of advisors, which yes. is obviously key to opening up doors for you. Just out of interest, with yourself and Harish, where did you meet?
1: uh in Quintals. okay yeah uh in the the relationship goes back uh, uh over a decade now mm-hmm. uh, and I still remember I was at this drinks event uh with him uh where Harish and i uh sat down and uh, all of a sudden uh, we started talking about virtual drug development right the uh, biotech businesses uh there were quite bo- there was quite a booming culture uh, at that stage uh in in the west uh, and in the east as well uh so this this actually goes back over a decade mm. uh and uh he, th- th- there was a time where i was getting my stuff done uh, he was so much into the oncology research he was actually leading uh he, he was part of this uh virtual drug development team uh that quintas uh, had with uh, a company a japanese pharma company called asahi pharmaceuticals and uh, it was a virtual drug development business model, which was very unique in 2009. Uh, that that was part of it, uh, and uh, uh, that that was the uh, ticking point where we started talking about that. Mm. Uh, and uh, fast forward 10 years, uh, uh, it was it was literally a 30 second conversation with him, uh, where I asked him, "You pitched uh, him? Yeah, no, I, I I didn't really pitch it to him. I right. asked him that, Harish, uh, I'm doing this, right? Uh, Let's do it. Are you in? Uh, and are you in? And uh, it took him thirty seconds right. uh, to tell me. Uh, and and it I, when I say this to you, mm. uh, I actually feel it's unbelievable. Um, but I remember that conversation very vividly, and it was thirty seconds where he told me, "I'm in. Let's right. do it."
0: Well, how did you say that to him?
1: Uh, well, it was as straightforward as that. Mm. Uh, that uh, I've been working on this plan. Uh, it took me close to six to eight months to think about what needs to be done. Yeah. Uh, I took a step back uh, from the corporate uh, world. I took a step back and I said, let me think uh, about this. Yeah. Uh, I got everything in place. Uh, and that, that was as simple as speaking to him. And I knew he was very interested in that. Mm. Um, so I called him up. Uh, I spoke to him. Within thirty seconds, he said, "Let's do it. Let's do it. And yeah, that's the conversation the is, you want to have. Absolutely, yeah, that, exactly. Mm-hmm. That's the guy you
0: want to be working with, yes. right? It, it wasn't a thirty-second conversation. It was a ten-year conversation. It was a
1: ten-year conversation. Yeah,
0: culminated in a thirty seconds. Absolutely. ask right. Absolutely, good for you. Mm-hmm. Okay, and are you recruiting at the moment? Are you um, looking for new people in your team? It, uh, you know, is it geographical, specific, hard skills that you're looking for?
1: So." Uh, I've been very lucky in uh, uh, since my since the company's launch. There have mm. been a lot of people who have reached out to me, and and uh, uh, it's becoming more of a problem of plenty rather than right. uh, us Quality finding model, yeah, right? yeah. finding finding the right people. Uh, so I'm I'm always on a lookout for new talent, uh, and, uh, and 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 uh, if I were to just take a step back on the three key pillars of own biosciences. One is the small molecules approach. One is uh, applying precision medicine, which is so crucial in our business. And it's probably one of the uh, things that is going to drive the future of drug development. That's, that's a very, very important point. And it needs that science as well. Mm. Uh, and the third one is the digital technology, uh, which is so, so important uh, in the healthcare industry as a whole. Um, every single pillar will need a niche uh, talent. Uh, associated with it, uh, the, when it comes to digitalization, uh, you need a very smart technology person mm. uh, who can drive uh, integrating technology with healthcare. That's the, you need smart people for that, right?
0: Do they have to be from a healthcare background?
1: Uh, actually, no. Right? No. If if they if they understand how technology works, if right. they understand things like uh, predictive analytics, yeah. uh, if they understand how uh, big data can be converted into smart data. Uh, I, I looked at this video recently about uh, Usain Bolt and uh, Tyson Gay running, mm. uh, and why does Usain Bolt come up with a world record? And it's all the analytics yes, uh, coming out right. of it. Yeah. Right? F- the, the way his hip flexes, the way he's running in, the way he's leaning his body, you relate that to healthcare. Um, in, in a drug development field, On a drug that goes from phase one to phase two to phase three, on an average, phase one is uh, a 30 patient, 40 patient study. Phase two can be anywhere between 100 to 200. And a phase three is upwards of 300 plus. Mm. So all that data is getting collected somewhere. It's sitting in an archive somewhere. But then it becomes big data, right? But how do you convert that big data into smart data? Mm. If you have a drug which has failed, would you want? Would you not want to relook at that data from your failed drug and learn from your mistakes, rather than having that data archived somewhere? So that is what I'm. That is what we are trying to achieve out of this: is converting that complex input into a simple output, and simple and predictive output. Utilizing algorithms where we have so much data sitting in there, and try and convert that, uh, convert that very complex input into a place where if we were to get into a phase two study, we can actually go back and see, great, this was the mistake that was made by this company, mm. or or we, even we made that mistake previously. Let's not repeat the same mistake and have predictive analytics towards it. And precision medicine is more towards using genomic data. Uh, there is so much genomic data. You might have seen there is a big wave going on in terms of... So I'm, I don't know whether someone has actually asked you, take a swab and I'll tell yep. you what your... Uh, my, my background yeah, is like right? my
0: ancestors are from where Exactly, are yeah.
1: exactly. That's, that's DNA. Uh, that's collection of data yeah. which is being utilized by so many people, right? And that's just a simplistic way of putting it. But when you go into the cancer genomic data, when mm. you go into the understanding whether the patient is at risk of developing cancer, the patient has this particular risk of prostate cancer mm. or, or, or a different type of cancer, we could actually use that yeah. to design the studies, and that's that's what we are trying to do over here. Is we are not looking at individual things; it's actually a piece of cloth that has different strings intertwined into it. Mm. Uh, and it would, if you have different strings, it would just be strings. But when you combine it together, it becomes a nice, beautiful piece of cloth. Mm. So that's the way you look at it. Uh, it's, it's a holistic way of looking at drug development rather than individually looking at pieces in
0: there. Yeah. So, yeah. And you have to have somebody who shares that mission as well. Absolutely. So, well, it's been a real pleasure sharing that with you today. And then, uh, you know, for those that are listening, watching, that mm-hmm. you have spoken to, I expect, you know, at the level where it may connects them beyond, right. you know, the product and the company, but yeah. you're, you're on a bigger mission there's a bigger story here. it's the ohm you know it's that vibration which you're tapping somebody who can rise above the the company side and see the bigger mission here and focus on that Mm -hmm. right uh you know you may have people who might be potential investors you maybe have partners advisors Mm -hmm. team members Mm -hmm. what is the most effective way of them reaching out to you and, and making contact Do you have a preferred channel
1: so uh if you go to our website uh there is a form which you can actually fill up uh, and uh, a good thing about being a virtual drug development company, our contact details are on the website. Uh, I am on LinkedIn, mm-hmm. uh, which uh, I'm very active on LinkedIn. Uh, I'm on social media all my all my time. All right,
0: we'll put all the details um, in yeah, the show notes. Uh,
1: and uh, it it takes me it takes me less than a day to respond to anybody. Uh, and uh, I have my PR team who tracks. My uh, company pages as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if there is any feedback coming in on that, they they do some smart data analysis. Great, it.
0: was well, ref- refreshing in the medical world yes. as well. It's yes. good to see you yeah. responsive, Vishal Doshi. It's been a real pleasure. Thank you. Thank you for coming today, and wish you all the best with your ongoing challenge. Really, you know, and the journey in taking it east to west. You know, there, there's something unfolding here. So anybody else out there who you know also feels that mission is something that resonates with them and mm-hmm. they should be in touch so yeah, Fischel, thank you so much today
1: thank you so much graham thank you